So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. All right, I got a review or a comment on YouTube. Yes, go to YouTube and uh, type in Real Estate Rockstars Radio to comment on every single episode that comes out. But uh, Kev C21, assuming that's an agent named Kevin from Century 21, he says, uh, I'm a California licensed agent and commissions are not set by law. They are fully negotiable. By any and all parties, it's plain capitalized language on our listing and purchase agreement. 90% of all sellers at listing appointments ask me for a discount. People may also hire no broker to buy or sell in FISBO. Also, plenty of brokers and agents will stick a property in MLS for a flat fee. Plenty of flat fee brokers. No collusion. No obstruction. Many alternatives exist in the marketplace for consumers. My commissions are negotiable from 6% to 10%. Whatever people want to pay, don't like it? Go get a discount agent who does discount work and get your discount value. Pay peanuts? Get monkeys. Buyers who want me to give them some of my paycheck will gladly get it, provided they give me money from their paycheck first. I will give them back their own money because plenty of real estate agents barely graduated high school, if that. There are plenty of agents who just accept any fee, over a thousand bucks to do anything on any value of any home. Those high school-minded agents feel any money is better than no money at all. This lawsuit will do nothing to alter the commission landscape. Even if they made brokerage activity illegal, it will never stop, right? cocaine pusher much ado about nothing big fat nothing burger learn how to put homes in escrow as an investor and get an end user to move into the house just maintain a principal position in the transaction Woo! that was a long one thank you kev c21 from california and he was talking about the nar lawsuit and of course now the department of justice requesting all the co-op commissions that matrix had to provide keep the comments coming guys i love them and remember i eat feedback for breakfast so give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want i don't care and the more reviews we get the better guests we get so please subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening Welcome, Rockstar Nation. Thanks for tuning into the State of the Market Podcast with your host, Pat Hyben and Kevin Kaufman. Rockstar Nation, welcome to State of the Market. I have a co-host today that is not Kevin Kaufman, but it is Carrie Grinkmeyer and uh, 
Carrie is uh, very opinionated on uh, some subjects, mainly a real estate sales news. And uh, I thought he would be a good match to fill in for Kevin Kaufman while he is away with family this week. Carrie, welcome to State of the Market. Thank you, Pat. It's a pleasure to be here. And as you said, I do have an opinion. <laughs> hey, Carrie, why don't you just give everybody a little brief rundown on who you are so uh, they know who's, who's my okay. co-host today. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a retired financial advisor. I got into the real estate industry about three years ago because I understood and recognized that it's a changing industry. And I like change. I like to be involved in trying to find the cutting edge and get ahead of, of movement. And we're in a changing industry. Uh, we got a couple news stories, I think, that uh, talk about that change. Uh, open door, uh, some taxes being levied by uh, states relative to um, various realms of, of real estate, and then and then the change in the demographics of, of our country and, and where, where real estate's headed in the future. Yeah, and I, and I think that. these three stories really touch on it. And I love talking about the future of this uh, real estate industry that we love. So, so let's get into some. Oh, by the way, and Kerry, uh, he didn't mention this, but he is a successful real estate agent, uh, focusing mainly oh, yeah. okay. on uh, <laughs> selling luxury, high-end homes. He only sells uh, high-end homes. And uh, I did an interview with him that hasn't been released yet, uh, which will be released over the summer. And uh, so be on the lookout for that. So, Kerry, let's jump into news here. First of all, I want to talk about Open Door. Open Door lays 50 people off and then asks the rest of them, hundreds of others, to move to 300. 300 to move to Phoenix, which is no joke, you know, moving to Phoenix. And so, you know, who knows who else will bail, uh, you know, when, when this is all said and done, 350 people. And this is out of 1,300, so, you know, 25% or so. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you think is going on with this? Why are they doing this? Well, my, my experience in industry basically says that uh, when you're working on tight margins, which we know they are with this flipping way they're approaching a real estate market, you've got to cut your expenses. And the quickest way, the, the, the biggest expense you're always going to have is people. So the first thing you'll do is lay off people and then you have to consolidate and get your business down to where the revenues that you generate come closer to the, the cost that you're creating. And I believe that this uh, flipping industry is, is, is going to succeed. I'm not sure who are going to be the survivors. And it does look like the incubation place of this industry is Phoenix, both from Open Door and Zillow. And I think they're just, they're just cutting back. And I, I commend them. If you're going to run a successful industry, and, and this is something that I think is, is unique in the world we live in. Uh, back when I first was in the business, that it, when you approached a business, you looked at profit and, and cost. Today, you have uh, in angel investors who throw money at you and say, we think you got a good idea. And in fact, if you make money today, it's not a big issue. If we see the potential in the future, and I would imagine their investors have come back and said, hey, you got to get this balance sheet a little bit more in line, and uh, the best way to do that is lay some people off. And they and, and they do that when bring your get, costs down. When you whenever you get so many, you know, whenever you raise more and more money, you get harder and harder advice, you know, as to you what to do to cut costs. And you know, now they're currently value, valued at three point eight 
billion dollars, which is crazy. Right. Uh, for a commercial, and they've never made a penny. Never, never made a penny. And this is a commercial flipper, no. guys. This is a, 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 a commercial flipper is all they are. Basically, we'll buy your home for cash, then they fix it up, then they flip it. And, you know, I had read once that their, that their uh, profit margin that they seek, right, is only 4%, you know, compared, right. to, compared to Joe yeah, Schmo flipper. Like, I know a lot of Joe Schmo flippers, and they're looking, at, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20, you know. to Exactly. And and so these guys only want four percent. So yeah, they got to cut internal costs uh, in order to make this work. And and so it'll be interesting to see. You know, yeah, who knows? Uh, who knows what happens with these companies? Whether I never thought flipping would get as big as it did because I, I was doing flipping like seven years ago exactly. and making you know a decent amount of money doing it. And then I stopped because I thought the margins were too were getting smaller and smaller and half. That was like that was like four years, four or five years ago. I'm kicking myself in the butt. I could have made probably a couple million dollars just continuing to do it yeah. over the last four or five years. I mean, I I quit way too early, way too early. And I think it all goes back to why is why is it becoming so attractive? And I think it's because people are not comfortable and anxious to go through the the laborious uh, real estate process, so they're filling a void. And as I, you know from our past conversations, I believe this is all being driven by demographics. And the demographics are that the baby boomers are aging, they're, they're dying, and they're going to need to sell their houses. Yeah, I mean, that's kind, of our, that's kind of our third story there. So it's, a, it's, an, it's interesting. You know, and I, I just, I don't know, you called it laborious uh, process of selling a house. I mean... A lot of people listen and be like, shit, it's not laborious because, you know, that's what an agent does. You know, that's why an agent, that's what you have an agent for, you know, don't give your house away. But the problem is they're coming in and, and they're making the offers so close to what an agent would sell it for that it's just, exactly it just works for them. So whether they'll be, whether, you know, be interesting, I, you know, to see whether, you know, these commercial flippers like Open Door are going to be in the business, you know, five years from now or not. But let's move on to the second one. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, there's a bunch of companies. And for, first article came from Housing Wire. This one comes from Inman. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of municipalities are coming up with ways, and this ties into the commercial flipping business because it's because flipping is making so much freaking profits. Airbnbs are making so much freaking profits compared to regular rentals that, of course, whenever anybody wants to make money, it makes a lot of money in a capitalist society. Of course, the government says, hey, well, we want a part of that. And I'm going to just read, I'm going to just really quickly read these five states that are coming up with these things, and I'm going to let you comment on them. All right. So, first of all, New York uh, has, a, has a bill out in the Senate. Uh, for a 20% transfer tax on properties in New York City sold within one year. You buy a house, you fix it up, you flip it. And by the way, this includes Open Door and OfferPad and all these guys. They're not exempt from this, right? So th those companies are going to have hurting margins. But anyways, 15%, no, 20% year one. 20%. 15% year two. And, you know, so, and after that, there's nothing. So if you flip a house within two years, 
you're going to pay 15 or 20% transfer tax. That means tax paid by the seller at settlement. And so, and and the transfer tax, by the way, is based on the sale price, not your equity. So if you're borrowing money on this thing, it makes no difference. If you're flipping a million dollar house, that's 20 grand that you're going to pay. No, 200 grand. 200 grand on a million dollar yeah on a million yeah. dollar house 20 percent. if you flip a million dollar house in new york city an apartment or whatever 200 yeah. i mean that's your that's your profit there'll be no flipping in new Tomorrow york basically no be no flipping no flipping allowed in new york <laughs> no flipping allowed in new york city forget about it yeah okay new jersey Eleven point six two five. What? How the hell they come up with these numbers? Why not just say twelve percent? Eleven point six two five percent tax on short-term rentals. Short-term rentals, right? Eleven point six two five. So just any money you make on short-term rentals, which is probably anything less than ninety days. You know, right. is typically what they go on. I don't think this is unusual. I. I know uh, we used to travel to Nassau. Nassau has had, or Key West. Key West had that rule for years. They just and and who's behind it is are your hotel is your hotel industry. Yeah, they they, they pay. I know here in they Birmingham, pay. if you they pay it, yeah. And so they're saying, hey, these people need to pay it because they're cutting into our profits. Yeah. So that makes sense. New Mexico is doing the same thing. And, you know, I know in Folly Beach, South Carolina, where I live, they have, uh, I think it's up upwards of 14% or something. It might even be 18%. But uh, but you just got to pay it. You got to work it yeah. into your numbers when you're buying an Airbnb. In Hawaii, they're going to collect a transient accommodation excise taxes. Basically, uh, you know, it's the same thing. Same thing. Uh, they're expecting to make $46 million a year from the government. And then in Montana... That that this is nothing. Short-term lodging, uh, raising it from three percent to four percent—that's a joke. I mean, why not go twelve percent? Yeah, like some of these other companies. <laughs> so they're all getting into this. So what do you think about this? Everybody's tapping into where real estate investors, whether you buy and hold or whether you flip, are making money. Every, every government, every municipality wants a piece of it. It seems like. What what what? Do you, what's your take on this? You know, as I read that article, did you watch the Democratic debates? I did. Um, I saw a preview of it last night, actually. Okay. Not a preview, but like two minutes. Uh, no, it, it's, it's, it's a direction that our society is going that we got to take care of those people who don't have. The governments have to be supported. Uh, the governments have uh, created enormous debt that uh, they, they have to take care of, and they're going to go after any source that they can raise money and. When uh, you pointed it out in New York, when somebody is flipping a, um, taking a, and again, we, we talk about it, you talk about a million dollar transaction on an apartment, and here in Birmingham, that, that would be crazy. That no, no such thing is like that exists, but in New York City, it does. And they're, they're going to close people out of, of that part of the industry. I don't see anything prob- any problem with the, tax that you're putting on the airbnbs and the uh vacation by owners the hotels have to pay that and uh so they're just merely trying to level the playing field again 
Well, and I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, th I think what's happened is there, there's become such a gap. Let's take New York, for example. There, there's become such a gap between a house that's not fixed up and a house that is fixed up. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. such a gap. Yeah. And and um, they're trying to fill in the fill in that gap a little bit. So the houses then become, yeah. well, I got to buy this house that's, you know, not as beat up or, or it's more beat up or, or not as fancy. I, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, on one hand, you'd say, what's the big deal? You know, if you're giving the people what they want. They want, well, they want a house that doesn't need repair. Yeah, that's true. But I think I think the, the issue that they're speaking to is that as they fix these houses up, the value of pro property goes up, as then do the property taxes. Um, this happened in Hilton Head. As uh, the wealthy moved into Hilton Head, the property taxes went up and the general citizens could no longer live there. That happens um, a lot. Yeah. This is happening. It, and, and, uh, and that's what I think New York City is trying to protect is you're coming into our boroughs that have kind of fallen into decay and you're now making them attractive and you're going to drive the people who live there now out just uh, by, because of property taxes going up. So, yeah, I think that part of it's legitimate. I don't know that I go along with put a twenty percent tax on That's top crazy. of the price of a home. That is crazy, a and, and it's yeah. it's going after one segment of the population. And, you but know, we're becoming more. You know, watch the the Democratic debates. There are a bunch of us who want to not. I shouldn't say us who want to become a socialist state. Take yeah. care of those who don't have. Well, that's interesting. Um, I guess they got to they, they got they got to appease their constituents too, which are you know a bunch of you know elderly people that are living on the blocks that are you know where gentrification yeah. is in place, and they're like, hey, we can't afford to live here. I, I never thought about it from that angle, but yeah. it kind of makes sense. So okay, so yeah. let's let's move on well, to that's our, one. Okay. Yeah, let's move on to our, to our last one because it kind of it kind of comes into this. You know what I mean? It kind of. Uh, Everything kind of runs together today, and that was a mm -hmm. an article that came out in uh, Governing. And uh, basically what it's talking about is the hidden debt. And what they mean by the hidden debt is a debt that nobody's talking about. They're saying that 35% of households, uh, millennials, let's say, under the age of 35, millennials are like 20 to 35, or might be 22 to 37 now, but but basically what it's saying is 35% of millennials, right, under 35 years old, own houses. 65% don't. Now, it used to be 40% and 60% 20, just 20 years ago. And what does that mean, right? right. How, the th well, basically what it means is three and a half million buyers, or three, roughly three and a half million buyers, which is the 5% uh, delta there, are not buying houses before 35 compared to 20 years right. ago where there was three and a half more, three and a half million more millennial buyers in the market. So I guess the question is, what does this mean? Talk to me about this. Why is well, this I think, uh, yeah, I just compare it to myself. Uh, I graduated from Ball State University in 1966 and I had no debt. I had worked in a factory and um, at nights and, and paid my way through school. My grandchildren will get, graduate from one college, and I estimate my granddaughter will probably have $50,000 in debt. She's got some scholarship, but she's working part of her way, and, and she's got some debt. 
how do you then go buy a house? We, my wife and I bought a house within uh, three months after we got married. Mm. How do you go buy a house with $50,000 debt? You don't. You, you can't. So I think that's what's driving this. Uh, I, I, I think we have, a, we have a debt situation in this nation that um, is, is, is growing at leaps and bounds, and nobody wants to talk about it. I just saw a, a piece on, on TV the other night of a young man who appeared to be 28 years old, and he said that he, uh, he was rebelling and he wasn't paying his, his student debt loans, and that if he didn't pay them for three years, they would be determined uncollectible, and the government would take over his debt, and his payment would go down to 25%. His payment would go down 75%, and he said he could live with that. Well, that's the world we live in today. Elizabeth Warren basically is saying, excuse all debt, excuse all education debt, and that uh, everybody, and then uh, another one of the uh, candidates said, no, 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 only excuse it for those who can't afford it. Don't excuse it for the wealthy. So it's, debt uh, is I becoming mean, well, a problem. Well, if you're wealthy, you don't need to get a loan. It's going to create, you don't need to get a loan. Right. So <laughs> I, I think this is going to affect our real estate industry. Okay, so let's How talk can about a that. Student, it already is affecting us. There's three okay. and a half million less first-time yeah. buyers, right? Three and a half million less first-time buyers. Exactly. Now, here's an interesting uh, stat that on the same article said, but, you know, the, the net worth, right? How much money millennials had in the bank in the 80s compared to how much money millennials yeah. have in the bank now is, is 40% less. 40% right. less, you know, they, on average, under 35 years old, uh, used to be about 21,000 bucks, right? They said, okay, my net worth, whether mm -hmm. it's equity in a house or just cash savings, retirement, you know, after debt, right? That's already netted out of this right. figure. Was 20, 20, 21,000 bucks. Now it's about 12. And, and so that's interesting. So I think what this article is saying is basically, you know, you got all these millennials that are not buying homes, which is a problem, but mm -hmm. it becomes even more of a problem, right? When you have this baby boomer die-off phenomena. Sell-off. Sell-off. Tell me about this baby boomer. Don't kill us yet. Don't kill us yet. We baby boomers what? are in our sell-off. So what they're saying is uh, these the baby boomer things happening at the same time are going to constrict the amount of transactions in the real estate market and also lower the average value of homes in our real estate market. Tell, explain to the people listening what the baby boomers sell-off is. It's also a die-off. Well, you die and then the, the spouse sells it or the estate <laughs> sells it. But go ahead, the sell-off. We'll call it the sell-off. Okay. The, the, we're in the sell-off now. Uh, it started in 2011. Uh, when the first baby boomers turned 65, and traditionally that's when we, we retire and we downsize our homes and we put them on the market. Now, the other thing, much as we didn't take care of our infrastructure and, and refused to, we, did, we didn't update our homes either. And so we now have these baby boomers who are retiring. And it's interesting that the homes that are very attractive to the millennials now the homes that not their parents lived in, but their grandparents. It's the gentrification. So our baby boomers own these smaller cottage-type homes. They didn't fix them up. So Zillow and Open Door are coming in, 
and they're fixing it up and then flipping them, but which is basically pushing the price up. But the problem is the, the millennials, because of their student debt, aren't buying homes at the rate that um, prior generations did because they don't have the money, they do have the debt. So we've got, we've got opposing forces. My fear is, though, that the baby boomer die-off, which will start in 2023 when the first baby boomer hits 77 years of age, we're going to have a flood of homes. We're, and, and unless those millennials get rid of that debt and start buying homes at a higher rate, we may be looking at a real estate bubble. I believe this bubble already exists in the higher end where I work. Oh, I work in, in Birmingham, a luxury home is $750,000 or more. Fifth, in, in this market, 50% of the homes that come to market in any given year since 2011 for over 750000 50% of them sell. The other 50 don't. They're just sitting there and husband dying wife is sitting in a in a in a eight a million dollar home i just went to one yesterday where he died in 2017 she went into the nursing home earlier this year and a 36 year old boy owns this house and it's sitting empty and it's a two million dollar home and it's been on the market now for three years three I've been in them. They've been on the market for ten years. Okay, so for two million dollars. Yeah. So so let's because because this article talks about this a little bit. So, you know what you guys got to understand um, about this. And again, we're talking about the die off, not the sell off at this point. So yeah. the what happens is the die off's only three years away. <laughs> yeah, the die off. So let me explain the die off. The boomer number one dies, right? It gives it the, mm -hmm. you know, it's inherited by boomer number two, lives in the house, says, my husband says, and of course, an assumption that <laughs> the, the man dies first because of life expectancy right. in America, um, says, my husband says this house is worth X, let's say $2 million in your case, uh, and I won't sell right. for a penny less. So she's like your right. lady. She moves into a retirement home. She keeps on the market for three years because she doesn't give a shit because she's got money in the bank and, no. and her bills are being paid at the retirement home or whatever. My husband says, and then what happens is she dies and the kids in a real life example, the 36 year old gets a hold of the estate and he's like, man, I got 2 million in cash sitting right there. Uh, you know, and he tells the agent, you know, uh, listen, everybody's passed on. The dust is settled, you know, dump it. Right. And, exactly. uh, and then house prices uh, drop 30, 40%. And what they're predicting is uh, on luxury houses where there was a die off, where they didn't sell while they were alive. They said they're saying 20 million seniors will sell that, their houses in the next 15 years, but only 13 million will be able to sell. So 7 million. Exactly. Will not be able exactly. to sell. And this is luck. We're talking about luxury homes here. I'm not sure what stat they're using. Maybe over over some some price. These are luxury homes. It it, uh, it, it varies by 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 city. And really, you're exactly right. And I think the other thing you throw into the equation is the houses in Birmingham, Alabama. The kids live all over the country. 
And uh, every month they get a bill for the HOA dues. Every month they get a bill for the, the, um, the, the you still got to cut the grass, you still got to heat it, you still got to air condition it. So it becomes a financial drain. And, and, and they, they contact the real estate agent and say, just turn it into cash. And so the $2 million house sells for 1.2. I've seen it. Now, what does that do to the guy who's next door who in, 19, in, in 2008 paid $2 million for his house and still has a $1.5 million mortgage on it? He goes underwater. Yeah. He goes underwater. Interesting. Right. Have we been there before? Yes, sir. We have, have we been there food. before? I think we have. Then on the other side of it, you've got gentrification. So that, so that the, the, the young people don't want the big houses, even if they could afford them. Mm. They want to live in the city near the bars. They'll send their kids to private schools. I see this. I see this saying, oh, we're not worried about the school systems. We'll send our kids to private schools. And um, so the schools don't matter anymore. So yeah. is there a bubble? Yeah, I think there's a bubble. Is it going to happen in, in downtown? No. Is it going to ha happen in the walk-in communities? No. It's going to happen in those 1990 gated golf course communities. Whoa. Where my generation wanted to show my peers I made it. I got a bigger house than yours. My, 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 my community had three golf courses. Yours only has one. And it's 15 miles outside the city. They're going to turn into, I don't know what they're going to turn into. Okay. You look back to uh, past history, those in, remember those mansions that were close in? They turned into lawyers' offices and, and businesses. What are you talking about? I don't know what. What, what, what. Well, we have a community called, in, in your inner city, you had, you had executive homes. And oh, as right. in the 90s, when everybody moved out, nobody wanted those homes. Now yeah. everybody wants them again. They, they, they are the gentrification. They are the mansions that were built in the 30s, the 20s and 30s that nobody wanted in the 90s. Interesting. And uh, they turned into wedding venues. They turned into lawyers' offices. I, I, we even have one in our community that sells wedding dresses. Fascinating. Now. Fascinating. People want to buy those. They, now, through gentrification, that's where the young people want to live. That's crazy. Well, uh, listen, this, they this, don't want to live. That's uh, well. This is interesting. Well, uh, Carrie, we are out of time, so let's uh, wrap this up. Okay. Uh, three really good stories here. I appreciate you coming on today and subbing out for Mr. Kevin Kaufman. And and uh, guys, stay tuned for uh, Carrie's episode, which will come out later on this summer. Uh, I appreciate you jumping in, Carrie, and I uh, wish the best of luck to you. If I'm oh, ever, my pleasure. Anytime. Ever in your neck of the woods, uh, you're you're in Alabama, right? Where are you? Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. If I'm ever in Birmingham, yeah. Alabama, Carrie, I'll look you up. Uh, we'll get together and break some bread. Okay. Come on down. We'll see a good football game. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. Thanks for tuning into the State of the Market Podcast with your host, Pat Hyben and Kevin Kaufman. All right, thank you for listening to State of the Market, a 
creation of real estate rock stars. Hey everybody, if you want to comment on what you just heard, the best place to comment, for whatever reason, culturally, it appears the best place to comment is YouTube. Yeah, just go to YouTube and type in Real Estate Rockstars Radio, and you can comment right there. No holds barred. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.